partner, Barb Lamson. Well, Barb, our hearts are light. We're feeling great. We made the $25,000 KMSU Pledge Drive goal, and we know we had people that specifically supported the Master Gardener program, so that was awesome, and so we want to thank our listeners. It's uh, very heartwarming and encouraging that people listen to us. And as I was coming in, one of our listeners was just leaving, and she said she'd been listening to us for 25 years. Oh, my goodness. So uh, when Kim and I used to do the program, that was, that was absolutely great. So thank you all for sticking with us. And, and I'm constantly reminded that uh, what a service public radio is, you know, where you can... Uh, listen to different kinds of music. You can li- listen to different types of points of view. There's just it's such a, a great thing. And and if you don't like us, you can let us know, and we'll offer you a chance for feedback. We so, do, we do. And you know, we are a part of the community too. The people up here, so that's why it's so special to have the community supporting something that's theirs. Yes, exactly. Well, you know, there's lots of things that we can talk about today. But one of the things that uh, uh, I like to think about are definitions of words. And when I see a new word, I don't know what it means or what it represents, that really piques my interest. Of course, it has to relate to um, gardening, horticulture, the weather, the environment, all of those things. And this morning I was reading the paper and I found this word. I wonder if you've ever heard this before, climate vulnerability assessment. That sounds like a big word, CVA, Climate Vulnerability Assessment. Yes. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Is that something like climate change or what? Yeah, okay. So finally, uh, climate change is in the forefront. And now we're starting to do, especially the Metropolitan Council up in uh, Minneapolis, they have done a climate vulnerability assessment. And the reason they're doing this is because uh, they have have used some uh, technology that can go in during these high heat. And this is two of uh, the changes that we're seeing with the climate change is a rise in temperature and uh, rain. Lots more rain in in bigger amounts, not just, you know, we get rain. at one time. Yeah, just just downpours. Yes, yes, exactly. And so to be prepared... uh, cities and uh, in Minnesota, they're thinking about doing these climate vulnerability assessments. And what they found is that uh, some of their uh, uh, infrastructure is outdated. The uh, storm um, uh, sewers that they use, drains that they use are outdated. We got to look at this. But they're also beginning to talk about things as simple as rain gardens. And you know, as a master gardener, we've been doing rain gardens for at least 20 years. Anybody that'll listen to us about them. And rain just, barrels. And rain barrels, those kinds of things. And and also, they're assessing the uh, the hard surfaces that we're putting in, like the parking lots. And, and they're on a hot day, they measure the temperature to see what the difference is where those hot areas are. Can you imagine being in a congested city where you have so many of these hard surfaces and if the temperature continues to rise uh, it, what will happen you'll just so this is a financial um, uh, an economic factor in this climate warming change uh, of, of uh, climate that we have to consider too so 
one of the things they've done at the Minnesota Landscape Arboretum, and you don't really, when you take the trolley up there, when you go around, and and, and they talk to you about uh, what they're doing and why they're doing, all of a sudden the parking lots aren't just parking lots anymore. They are built so that they will have less runoff and less will get into that floodplain. And what they've done is to raise the parking lot up enough so that along the perimeters they can put in wild grasses. They put in wild uh, rain gardens. And that is such a good idea. These roots on like our native grasses, they'll go down easily two feet, even more. And they absorb and filter that water so when it goes down to the groundwater, it isn't, you know, maintain all the pollutants and things that you can get off of the the hard surfaces and you know I've I've been really watching that closely having a, a lake house now and you know I mentioned that down the road there was somebody that wanted a conditional permit to put uh, 59% hardscape that means concrete asphalt whatever mm-hmm. on this lot it was kind of a small lot because they wanted to have a bigger house or you know bigger footprint when you know the standard is 25% or less because I remember when we were going to do some work they said well as long as it doesn't go over that 25% or, or more rather and so I mean 59% you think about that and you've got a slope and you have basically everything's going to just whoosh, rush down because otherwise you have the grass and what I'm trying to do on my hillside is I just recently planted some dwarf bush honeysuckle shrubs and they are a really good hill uh, for hillsides bar because they have the deep roots and I just planted them I made kind of a, a terrace that I put in there and um, they'll get established and then as the water goes down the hill it'll it'll be able to be absorbed and filter and those roots get deep so they'll hold the soil in place and they're also good because they like shade and I have that shady part and also they don't mind it being a little dry so if it does get dry because when you water you know it goes so so, they are very flexible Kara and that was a really good choice and when when we talk about this uh, honeysuckle this is something that's native by the way it's very low growing it's not a great big high bush it's it's low growing so it doesn't block your view if you're one of those people who thinks I want to look out into the lake this is really good and the other thing I've had a personal experience with them I planted one in the wrong place they really branch out and get they bigger. spread wide yes so i can tell you when karen says they have deep roots i know i dug it out and well, i dug and i dug <laughs> and i dug well and they also spread too so that their roots they they'll, they'll make new and which is great on a hillside I mean, yes yes it is but if you plant it in the wrong side <laughs> maybe it's in a foundation so planting uh it doesn't take long and it keeps moving around so that is something that that is really good. The other thing they're doing with this assessment is the the different places where they go in and they measure the heat on a hot day. Uh, the temperature can vary as much as uh, in one place uh, they the ground temperature was ninety nine point five seven degrees, and just a half a block away it was a hundred and twenty five degrees. Wow. Now these are actual temperatures, and this was on thirty fourth and Elliott Avenues in the Metropolitan. An area. You could burn your feet on that, I imagine. Well, you, you certainly wouldn't want to be down there. You wouldn't want to be... Can you imagine pushing a child in a stroller and you, you went from 
some place where it's 99, which is horrible, to 125 degrees. I mean, you could have a heat stroke. I right, mean, how true. many? That that is not healthy stuff. So they're taking a look at uh, how do we green up these spaces? How do we get trees in here that will filter out and cool these areas down? And they're saying you can do things as simple as, and this is something that's uh, near and dear to our hearts, keeping your storm drains uncovered. Don't let them get covered up. When we have these all this rain and that, if your storm drain has accumulated twigs and you leaves, know, now right now it's a lot of leaves. Oh, it is. And I went out because at the lake house there is this storm drain in the middle of our yard, and and everything kind of. Um, goes down toward it and it was just covered with leaves so I took my my mulcher and I went over it to you know get all those leaves up and to keep them in the mulching bag because otherwise those things go down and they will get in the the the, the drain and they will go down in the river and you think well they're just leaves they'll rot yeah they'll rot and they'll make a, a mucky icky well with the they, other they're stuff. just loaded with nitrogen right and carbon and they get into our waterways and then we have all this algae growing so we yes. create another problem and that is is really bad for everybody too so i think that if you want to do something i mean take a look at if you if you feel that the sun if you're getting hotter than what your neighbors are and that if you just uh maybe it's time to look at a tree that's going to help cool your yard maybe it's time to uh take a look at all those uh, hardscapes that you have maybe you can replace them well if and you, they do talk about with hardscapes to replace them with like permeable permeable hardscapes are a yes. new thing now where you have the the um they are made with hardscape stuff, but they allow the the water or the things to soak through, so, so they're permeable, and that's a lot better way they you know thing to do for your well everyone. In, in, when you think of something that's permeable, uh, anytime you're you're going to use like paver blocks or bricks, as long as you have uh, uh, you have the it won't run off as much as if it were grass, right. but it will run between the blocks and yes. that if they're put in there right and they're on a bed of sand. So those are some things you can do, but you can also ask your city council. We we have new people running for city council. We have new commissioners running. Ask them if we're going to be doing this this study, this climate study, and and find out just where our hot spots are and what we should be thinking about. And maybe they haven't done this yet, and maybe we just don't have the information. But we'd we'd certainly like to follow along with that and know what's going on uh, with uh, the climate change here. Uh, there's something we can all do. So. That said, um, I was taking a look at my yard and um, trying to get out there. You know, these last days when it was warm are just worth everything to us. It's just so much easier to work. And uh, a couple of things that I uh, looked at were the coral bells. There are some things that need to be really healed up with soil or maybe if you've got a mulch pushed in around it because they come up out of the soil more than they should and they're more susceptible. So well, no, because I just, I have good luck with certain coral bells and they live in other ones. I don't know if it's the hybrids or something that, that seem to, to die on me, but I have the, the problem with them healing up or pushing out of the ground as well. And a lot of them do die. Do you, I mean, do you just push the dirt up around them? Do you kind of cover them up? I mean, I've just not had good luck with certain, you know, certain varieties. You can see where that... Uh, stem is coming right. right up out of the ground, and I 
push up the soil and use something that's light so that you're covering that whole thing. That's what you don't want to, to die on you. And the thing that I have, the darker ones for me are very easy to grow. But when I get into these limey green ones and these uh, limey orange kind of ones that are called... Uh, Citrina, um, yeah, I know, chartreuse Uh, colors. Yes, I've had to, that's the same with me because my darker purple ones are doing very well and they come back, but some of the lighter ones, I agree, that they're just seem to be, maybe they're not as hardy? I I think so, and this is with special care that I'm giving them. So I made, um, I've got one that I'm nursing along, and I think it's like... um, caramel something it's oh okay yeah it's beautiful i've seen it, i know it what is, you're talking okay. about okay i almost lost it last year i managed to keep just a small part of it now i've got it healed up i've got um a little cage around it <laughs> and then when it gets colder i'm going to uh, insulate the outside not the inside the outside of that cage and then see if if it does better but honestly I don't think I want to be fooling around with plants that are um, so difficult. Picky, yeah, because when they're fussy like that, if you've got just a few plants, not a big deal. But when you've got, you know, big yards, big gardens, it's just too much to do. Yes. The other plant that needs special care this time of year are the Lenten roses. They They do, because I've got, you know, I've had... uh, one or two plants. I had three, one died, but I've had them in the, it took three years before I finally got a bloom this year for the first time. So I really, the only thing I've done is I put a cage around them, but I don't really do anything else. So what, what do you recommend? Okay. So here again, that stem that's coming out of the soil, push up soil as close as you can to that. And then I took, I had some uh, cedar mulch and that's really ground up fine. Mm-hmm. And I pushed it under the leaves. I didn't put anything on top of the leaves. Now, you know they stay green all winter long. They do. And then when it gets colder, I'm going to take, put a cage around them, and then sprinkle in some really fine leaves. I don't want to smother them because they do have to stay green. So here again, uh, th- they live for me. They don't always look the best if they don't get the right treatment. But I have had good luck with them blooming. So I have them in different parts of my garden. I probably have four or five of them now. And you know, Like I said, I had my first blooms after. It took three years before I got them. Sure. But finally. Getting finally them established. Did, yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So so that's, that's another one that uh, wants special treatment. And then... Um, all of these, uh, if if you've bought plants on sale, I've done that, and you've been watering them, perennial plants now in the fall, then you want to be sure and bring some leaves underneath them so that they keep growing as long as possible and and so that they're insulated. So you're like, mul- you're basically mulching yeah, around y- them. Y- yeah, underneath them. And you have to, I mean... You, you can't do this without getting down on your hands and knees and actually pushing it underneath the leaves all the way around. What, in a tree, they'd call that the drip line. But get them all the way around down in there. And and these leaves are the uh, roots spread out. So you want to want to do a good job with because that. Because it was just this past weekend that I planted those honey bush, uh, those honeysuckle uh, dwarf honeysuckle shrub bushes. Yeah. So and they're on a hillside. So I'm going to probably, like you said, probably need to line them with some leaves. Some yes, leaves, up are, leaves are, good. are good. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. And one thing about that uh, bush, 
Uh, I never had any die back on them. That was just really? great. As a matter of fact, as it was spreading, I was hoping it would die back. <laughs> well, and, 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 you know, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to get them established on a hillside. So I did plant them a little closer than they suggested. So maybe they'll, you know, fill in more quickly. I think, I think you'll love it. I think you will love it. So then the other thing that you want to do special care for um, are the bulbs that you've been planting. I, I have a bulb. whole pile to plant. The problem is I haven't got them in yet, Barb. Okay, but it's still time. So I was at the grocery store, and lo and behold, I found uh, some beautiful bulbs that sale, were... Sale, sale. Yeah, on sale, very, very cheap, and large bulbs, large uh, uh, tulips, and also some little um, uh, grape hyacinths. And the grape hyacinths were the biggest bulbs I've ever seen. And so uh, I bought them, and my husband said, I thought you were done. Ha ha. He said, for the third time, you said you were done. You weren't planting any more bulbs. That, that is, you're never done. Uh, so I went home. I planted them. I got them in the soil. And here was a slick thing. Remember when I told you I was buying those mums and that are the throwaway ones? They're very right. inexpensive. And dug this hole and improved the soil. And I just flipped them out, and I just flipped the new bulbs in. I was kind of oh, saving nice. so saving these spots. Yes, really nice. yes. So Easy. I had eight of those mums, and now they'll go in the compost pile, and they'll be great. They'll just break down in there. A lot of people they'll leave them in their pots, so but you put them in the ground. Yeah, so, so right in. You know right. that was that was a really wise wise thing. Yeah. To do. So so if you are one of these people. And I know this, Karen, they can't resist a bargain, <laughs> even though you've got plenty to do already. Oh, my You goodness. will pick them up. And so uh, I can't resist either. So I said to David, okay, I am done, done, done. I said that before, too, but it somehow it never seems to do that. Well, <laughs> hey, I've got a question about uh, wrapping trees now because it's important. Yes. Uh, and, you know, I've got those two new ginkgo trees, which I'm just thrilled with, and I hope that they will, will thrive. But I um, got the new plastic. You, you can get that. It's kind of a hard, almost a drainage plastic where right. you can put those around the trunk. And then in the past, I've used uh, special wrapping, you know, the pa- yep. tree wrap. Yeah. Is, do you know, is there a difference? Is anyone better than another? Because I've never done this, the hard plastic stuff around them. Although I noticed on the property, at the lake property, there was one that they had put around this maple tree. It must have been years ago because it's literally grown in the tree because <laughs> they forgot to take it off. But uh, So I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on uh, or had experience. You know, um, I, I don't know. I've only used uh, the the this t- this paper mm-hmm. wrap. I've used that, and then I take it I've off. I've used a gauzy one too, and that worked uh, okay. fine. Okay, and and also what I did do with my ginkgo tree was we had some drainage pipe, and that was the plastic drainage pipe. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so David drilled holes in it, and we split it all the way down the middle so that we could just make it went like a cover well, around the base. That's and, actually what I bought pre-done. They, they had already split it down oh, the middle. So, you know. Well, leave it to my husband. He does these well, yeah, things. Yeah, you save money, right? Yeah, and so. Handyman. And then uh, I, I was afraid of things gnawing on it. That's oh. what, and I was afraid that. On plastic? Uh, you, oh, no, on the tree. Oh, the tree. The tree. I wanted to do everything I could to save this tree. Right. You know how that is. Oh, yes. And so as it got older and the bark got, you know, tougher, then I took that off. But but I have used it in that way. But I, 
here's my thought about plastic. It's a petroleum product. True. It doesn't break down. You know, I, I can use it over again, though. Well, some of it can be used over oh. again, but not all of it. And uh, so, you know, it's. I always thought the paper wrap was very easy to use. It, it was is. very easy to hold in place. I never had a problem with that. Uh, it's disposable. In the spring, you take it off, um, and uh, just you can just re- put it in the recycling. Or compost it even. It, oh, it's pretty tough stuff. It? it might you take a while. Okay. You'd probably have to shred it, Karen, oh, okay. to get it, you know, in one season to get it to break down. Well, maybe I shouldn't <clears> have done that then. I, Like I said, I was going to try something just different. I just said, well, you know. Uh, well, you let us know what you think yeah. and see if you can use it again and how you like it, if it stays on, you know, all of those things. You know, I, I just, another thing that you're seeing in the store now that's sale, sale, sale are the fertilizers. And sometimes we think... Well, this is such a bargain. I'm going to buy this, and then you get it, um, and then you think, "Achia, I don't know when I'm going to use this." I bought azalea fertilizer one year. I had one azalea plant. It, it's you know. I did a, the same thing, and it's been sitting in the garage for probably ten years. Yeah, well, so I have this sister <laughs> box that was on sale, I think, and and so. Uh, most fertilizers that you're going to buy, they're going to have on there the NPK, which is nitrogen, phosphorus, and potash. And so know what you're buying your fertilizer for. Uh, nitrogen, something that has a high number like, it will say 25 two or something like that that's probably intended for grass and really phosphorus which is the second number we don't even need that for our grass but if you if you need something for grass i mean read it if it's got a high number for phosphorus know what you're going to use that for because the phosphorus is the one that that can doesn't break down necessarily and can go into the lakes and rivers and cause those algae blooms. Yes, it, and this is what you would use if you wanted to develop roots and you had uh, roses, you'd use it. If you had fruit trees, you'd use it. And also when you're doing transplants, but you'd use it extremely sparingly. Right. And then last of all, that potash. Potash is to the plant what calcium is to our body. It builds good structure, good bones, and that's what those stems and and that are. So, you know, know what you're gonna use it for and don't buy it and then say, well, I'm gonna put this down anyway. It might actually be worse than not putting anything down at all, and a sale isn't always a sale. I have to remind myself I of do that. too. And, you know, the other thing is you can do soil tests to know if you even need stuff. A lot of times you see the lawn services going around and, you know, putting all this stuff on. They have no idea what your soil composition is, and they just add more of this and that. And so you can get a soil test through your extension office, and I've done that. And I learned, you know, that I've got pretty much everything including a lot of organic matter so i mean but you can always add more organic matter that's not a bad thing but but you know i realize that i really in some cases didn't need to add anything more yeah and you know organic matter you just think after all these years i must have enough organic matter but when i've been out in my garden you dig down 10 inches it's been raining yeah it it, it hard rains after you get uh, you know the first couple inches are great but roots don't stay in just those first couple inches. And so you got to keep keep improving. And I don't know any better way of doing that than having a compost pile. And my husband and I were just talking the other night. I have this stainless steel 
uh, container in my kitchen in a very secluded spot and I put peelings in there whether it's muskmelon or potatoes or carrots or whatever and he said you know we sure do get that filled up fast and I said yeah because I'm cooking everything from scratch that's which why. is good yeah it's it's good and you get this stuff and you mix it and now we've got all these wonderful leaves coming uh, they're full of carbon they're just excellent if you if you can bag them up and save them and get them down next summer you know talk about warming you want to moderate the temperature of your soil so that your plants aren't exposed to these high high temperatures you know when it was like in the 90s here you know you were doing this and I was doing this too we're going out and putting making shade for these yeah, new plants that we put plants. in I was moving my lawn chairs out and <laughs> setting them on top of things that I thought that were more vulnerable just and they were in shady areas but it was just so the hot. angle of the sun and it was so hot they had some mulch on but you know that mulch it breaks down in no time at all so for a gardener there's no let up but spend your money wisely you know i do notice there's also i get all the time on on since you whenever you get catalogs or you're on their list you also get the emails advertising sales there's also selling seeds now and and if you store seeds proper, properly and you buy some now you, they can be fine for next year i was going to say if that's something you want to get oh, ahead yes. of time because yes. i'm getting a lot of those you know 30 40 50 percent off and so i'm you know looking ahead to say well what would i use in in the garden next year and so seeds might be something but you have to store them properly and that's right in in a cool dry place i i have a place in my refrigerator where i keep seeds and i have one plant that is blooming right now in my garden that's really quite lovely it's a texas bluebell and that's a lupin that's blooming y yes oh, and nice. first time so uh, we were in Texas. This was probably uh, very often we would go to Texas in the wintertime. And we went to Lady Bird Johnson's gardens and we saw the road ditches. Now they were planted and the Texas bluebells were blooming. I was talking to a lady. I was at a museum and we were talking about the bluebells. And she said they had bought property like over 10 years ago and, and there was a pasture. And she said they had these Texas bluebells coming up and she said because they'd had enough rain that seed could stay dormant in the soil for the longest time and so I thought I gotta get some of the seed so we went to a place that was uh, a wonderful display of those flowers uh, that were planted along the roadsides and I got this Texas bluebell seed so I've had it about 10 years now and but I that's not hardy here is it well, because I have Virginia it, bluebells and they right. come back every year. And it's not, it's a lupin. It's, oh. a, it's a lupin. Okay. Like we see Russell different. lupins. Yeah, it's quite different from that. Okay, so uh, every year I would plant them and plant them as an annual. And the plants would stay very small and get very small blooms on them. So this year I planted, I started 10 seeds in my greenhouse and the seed was now getting old. Two of them germinated. I put them out into my garden, and they slowly grew, mm -hmm. and they slowly got bigger, and they slowly put up a stock. Then we got this late rain, and they just shot up. Kapow. Kapow. Yeah, just like that. And for the first time, 
they got a nice spike mm-hmm. and it's it's blue it's just gorgeous the bees would absolutely love it so now i'm thinking is there some way that I could insulate this? Is there any way I can carry this over? Versus taking it inside or something? Well, I wouldn't do that because that'd be even worse to put it in a hot, dry climate, you know. But uh, it happened once. So uh, when you talk about saving seeds, uh, if they're in the right conditions, and you know in nature, look at some of the things like thistle seed that will live in the soil for 30 40 years you come back and you say where'd this come from yeah yeah why am i having this and i thought that would be a great question to ask al bat al bat how many of these birds how far do they fly with Ah. the seed because i have uh weeds in my garden that I've never seen in my neighborhood that come up, and I, and I, I'm sure it's it's the birds that are bringing them in, but um, and they, I'm, they poop, I think. Well, you know, Albat's a master gardener too. I didn't know he that. He is, yeah. Oh, good for him. So you know, he's pretty knowledgeable. Yes, yes, yes. Well, ask him how far they carry some of these destructive seeds, and then when I see the highway department and they have thistle growing along in their ditches i get very upset with me too (laughs) and i wonder how far the birds are carrying that thistle seed yep into my uh, yeah anyway well we are out of time but thank you so much barb we appreciate you and have a great rest of your week thanks all right it is one minute past